Welcome to First Importance, featuring the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. We are in our More of You series. My prayer is that God has spoken to you as clearly and as wonderfully as he has spoken to me over the last two weeks. We have spoken about uh, thirsting, desiring God, and we've asked that question, are you thirsty? Do you desire God? And it's my hope that if uh, you're here today and you've been throughout our series, it's my desire that we have given you an appetite for the Word, given you an appetite for the God of His Word, the Bible. Uh, The following week, we, we... went beyond asking the question, do you desire God? And we asked the question, are you seeking God? Do you pursue him? What do you do with the desire that God has given you for him? And my hope is that over the last two weeks, you have not only come to desire more of God in your life and more of his presence, but that you are actively seeking that, that you're praying daily to be filled with the Holy Spirit that you're, that you're spending time with God in, in His Word and spending time on your knees in prayer daily, begging for God to do something great in your life. This week, we look at the topic of burning. And the title of my sermon today is Stoke That Fire. Stoke That Fire. <clears throat> I would like to tell you right now just a brief story about my three-month stint with the Boy Scouts of America. Well, when I was younger, when I was in eighth grade, uh, my friend invited me to come and be a part of the Boy Scouts of America. My dad was ecstatic. He was very excited. Uh, All right, my boy uh, may may get toughened up a little bit, you know. Uh, Maybe I'll I'll learn some things that will... He was very excited until uh, until he learned how much it cost to buy the... uh, uh, Don't say costume. They don't like that. Uniform. Uh, uh, by the uniform he said son you are going to stick with this I'm investing money in this you're going to stick with it and so I I, I became a part of the Boy Scouts of America I ascended the ranks there passed scout to the next level of tenderfoot and uh, if ever there was an aptly named name for me that would have been it and uh, I, I had I'd been there, and, and I had uh, I learned some things about making fires. Our first trip was to the Little Rock Air Force Base, and we watched the Blue Angels, and we watched them uh, uh, fly over and do all those stunts, and it was fantastic. I said, I can be a Boy Scout. This is going to be great. And then our scout leader said, all right, young men, our next trip is going to be camping. Now, his idea of roughing it and my idea of roughing it were two radically different things. We went out to Antioch, Arkansas, beautiful hills on his property, uh, left his house and went down in the month of November uh, deep down into the woods uh, of his property and we cleared out a camp space and we, we, uh, we got everything ready. And, and I went to our scout leader and I said, excuse me, I, <coughs> I need to use the restroom. Where, where could I use the restroom? He said, all right, guys, come together. This is w- one of two instances where I realized that 
uh, we were going on two separate paths, the Boy Scouts of America and I. And uh, the scout leader said, all right, boys, everybody come near. <laughs> I just said I had to use the restroom. Why are we getting everybody around? And he said, we're going to go out here. We're going to take several yards away from the campsite. And he got out a hatchet. He said, we're going to find two trees about this far apart. And he said, all right, boys, we're going to make a notch in that tree and a notch in this tree. And someone go find me a stick about this long. And then he put this stick in between the two trees. And he said, all right, gentlemen, if you need to use the restroom, this will serve as your seat. This is where you can use the restroom out here in the woods. And I knew that I was in trouble when I looked around and I saw all the other guys doing this. And I was going, nah. No. No. Is there a truck stop around here? I mean, can you not take me up to your house? This is not going to work. I knew at that point that, uh, all right, the Boy Scouts of America are wonderful, great, but they, uh, the Boy Scouts of America and I were on two separate paths. The next thing I noticed on that trip, we had built a big fire. He had taught us how to build a fire. We learned that it was a lot easier to maintain a fire than to build a fire. And <clears throat> that night, we had all got around the fire, and we had talked, and... <clears throat> We had gone to our tents to go to sleep, and it was cold that night. I mean to tell you, it was extremely cold that night. And I, there, I could not get far enough down in my sleeping bag to warm me up. And all I could think about was when I got up, I was going to get, when that light came up from the sun, I was going to run out there to that roaring fire and warm up. So the sun came up, and I was so excited. I, I, uh, I got my coat on. I, I, I unzipped the tent I ran out there and the fire was no longer going that roaring fire had become a bed of black coals and I was so disappointed I said this is not going to work all right I'm going to need some type of temperature control in the in the place that I'm going to go little did I know the Lord would take me into the army years later you know uh, uh, but but uh, the boy scout leader I remember him telling me I said, it's cold. I mean, there's no fire. What are we going to do? And he said, Josh, he picked up a stick, and he began to stoke the fire. And underneath those black coals, the fire was still going. We had built such a big fire, the fire was still going. It just needed to be stoked and to add, add fuel to the fire. And all of a sudden, that, that bed of coals became a, a big, roaring fire for us to enjoy the heat by. You know, in our passage today speaks of stoking the fire. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. If you have your pencils, underline that. Fan, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, and love and self-control. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, now I pray that you would please speak through me. Uh, please use my stumbling and mumbling. and Go beyond that. Anoint me right now for the preaching of your word. 
Lord God, I pray that you speak to your people today. Speak to me and use us. Help us to stoke that fire. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are three questions that are going to propel us forward today as I want to encourage you as a church to stoke that fire. There are a, a few questions that are going to push us forward here today. The first question that I want to ask you today that we must ask of this text is, what fire do we have? What fire is it that needs to be stoked? You see, Paul here is commanding young Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor of a church. He is commanded uh, throughout the, the writing here to set an example. Don't let anyone look down upon you because of your youth, but set an example to them. He, he, there, there's a sense here that Timothy has faced some discouragement in his ministry, some discouragement in his life. And so Paul reminds him that he is to stoke the fire of the gift that has been given to him. Now, let me ask you this question. What gifts have you been given? Perhaps you don't feel as if there is anything that you can offer your family or your church or the community or this world. Perhaps you believe you have no value, you have no gift. Wrong. Wrong. Your value and your worth are placed on you by God. Listen to me. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the planet has value because they are made in the image of God. If you are here today, you can understand this. You are as unique as a snowflake. You are as indelible as a fingerprint. God has made you, and there is no one like you on this planet. You have worth. Your worth is not based upon what society receives from you, but your worth is based upon what God has given you. God has put, has created you in his own very image. But even more than that today, we're speaking, uh, and, and by the way, I mentioned that because even this past week, I read of a pastor who committed suicide this past week, who had gotten so low and so discouraged and by the way, let me just tell you, if you're dealing with depression and you're dealing with, with those feelings, I would love for you to come and speak to me or another counselor in our church. But also, there are, there are instances in our bodies where we need to consult physicians and it is okay to take medicine. Church, do you hear me? All right? There ain't no amens there, all right? But it is okay to do those things. If you're feeling that, you're not alone, and God can bring us through that together. I just want to encourage you that you have worth. But more than that, when we look into our text today, we, we speak specifically to believers that God has gifted you uniquely, and specifically, he has set a, a blaze, a fire in you that requires our attention and our maintenance. And so we ask that question, what fire has God given each of us that we need to maintain, that we need to stoke, not to, not to uh, earn our salvation, but to display it? What are those fires? The first gift that I think that God has given each of us, the fire that he's began in each of us who have repented of our sins and called upon Jesus as Lord is the fire of our salvation. Oh, how many of you in here today are thankful for salvation? Raise both hands. Amen. Hallelujah. There we go. Hey, clap those hands because God has gifted you with salvation. You did not deserve it. You did not earn it. In our small group this morning, we spoke of how Paul was on his own way 
to Damascus when God interrupted his life. I want you to know that God interrupted your life when you got saved. You had your own plans, but he began a new work in you. His salvation is most certainly a gift that God has given you. And while this is not expressly what Paul is speaking of here today, the truth is very applicable. That God has given us the gift of salvation, and it is our responsibility as believers to stoke that fire. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul reminds us, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing what it is a gift of God. Now I want you to hear me clearly. What I'm not saying right now, I'm not saying that you can maintain your own salvation. I'm not saying that. You can't do it. You couldn't earn it. You can't keep it. It's God who began the good work in you, and it is God who will sustain that good work and who will see it through until the day of Christ Jesus. But he has given us the responsibility of stoking that fire. In that same chapter of the book of Ephesians, we are told in chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God has given us responsibility. We're to be obedient. We're to not take our salvation for granted. We're to stoke that fire. Perhaps you're here today and you've been discouraged. Perhaps you've been along here with us in our series and you've learned to desire God and to seek after God. Now today, I want you to take with you this very simple principle to think and meditate upon your salvation and thank God for saving you. When's the last time that you thanked God for saving you? When's the last time you thought about how sinful you really are and what it took for God to save you by sending his son, Jesus? We're to stoke that fire. Remind yourself of the salvation that is given to us in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, and then in verses 5 through 10, we're reminded of our, of, of our responsibility to, to stoke the fire that he began in us of salvation. Verse 3 of 2 Peter, Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, that is, through the knowledge of Jesus, who called us to his own glory and excellence. For this very reason, make every, listen, effort, effort. Many people are living a Christian life that is effortless. Not to earn your salvation, but to prove it and to show it. We are to be a people who make effort, effort to supplement your faith, he says, with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Self-control with steadfastness, he reminds us. Steadfastness with godliness. In verse 7, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted, that he is blind, having forgotten that he, has, that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, he says, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. Can I encourage you today, if you have felt like you've been distant from God, if you have a relationship with him but you've not spent time with him, can I encourage you today to stoke that fire? You've been given a gift called salvation. Another gift that we've been given is spiritual gifts. 
When you were saved by no doing of your own, God also gifted you uniquely upon your salvation with certain spiritual graced gifts. Gifts that he gave you to edify the church body in which you have been placed. Everyone in here who's been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that not only has he miraculously and wonderfully saved you, but he specially gifted you with spiritual gifts. We, we read of these gifts in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's not an exhaustive list. I, I don't believe, by the way, if you've done this, that's okay. I don't believe you have to go online and take a test to find out what particular gift you've been given. God has uniquely gifted you with a mixture of spiritual gifts that is unique to you. You are important to the church. Can someone say amen? You are important to the church. Your absence affects the church because you are the only one given those spiritual gifts. You are to use those in the local church that God has placed you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 4 through 11, Paul says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in one. He says in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? Common good. God has gifted you not only with salvation, if you're in here today and you've repented of your sins and called upon Jesus as Lord. He's not only gifted you with salvation, but he's gifted you with spiritual gifts. Well, how else has God gifted you? God has gifted everyone in here with natural gifts. Natural gifts. Gifts that you've possessed all your life or that you've worked on and you've made better. We know that from the book of James, God sa- uh, the Bible says that God is the giver of every good gift. We're to use these gifts to edify the body. We're to use our gifts to make a difference where we are. In the book of Exodus, when God unrolled the, the plan for his uh, tabernacle that, where his presence would reside on earth, he didn't just use uh, uh, preachers to build this tabernacle, but he had placed special gifts in mankind, special uh, gifts that people could, could use uh, metal and, and, and form metal and, and people who were carpenters and, and all kinds of different natural gifts. In Exodus chapter 35 and verse 10, when speaking of this, the Lord says, Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. God has given us each special natural gifts that we are to put to use. If you are here today and you say that I am worthless, I have no worth, I have no gifts, you may not be the best at everything. You don't have to be, but God has gifted you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know he has gifted you with life and he's given you, he has given you gifts, but there's more to be had in Jesus. There's more to be had in him. Maybe you're here today, you're discouraged, and you are a believer. You'd say, I, I offer nothing. God has gifted you with salvation, with spiritual gifts, with natural gifts, which brings us really to our second choir, our second question. Not only what fire needs to be stoked, but how can I stoke the fire? And it's here why I want to remind you, stoke that fire. If you leave here today and someone says, what did you learn at church today? You're going to say, stoke that fire, okay? Let's try that together. Stoke that fire. 
That is our command. Paul says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. He's saying, take those cool uh, coals. God's command to us is that we stoke the fire. Perhaps you're here today and your fire has died down. What was once a boisterous and roaring fire that brought warmth and light and vitality to you has cooled off to a bed of orange and black flickering coals. Can I encourage you to do this? Stoke the fire. Stoke that fire. I want to give you a few steps today for how you can stoke the fire. I would love to say that these are my points, but I robbed these from another great preacher. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Charles Spurgeon. And so I'll borrow from a greater preacher who had something better to say on this matter. The first step I want to take you to today in stoking that fire is this. Examine. Examine. What gifts do I have? You've been given the gift of salvation. You know that. What spiritual gifts do I have? What natural gifts do I have? Sit down today or sometime this week. Get away from everybody, okay? Get away from all the noise of this life. Turn off your phone. Turn off everything. Maybe you have to wait late till all the kids are in bed. Maybe you have to wait, uh, turn off every TV, everything. Just spend some time taking stock. What gifts has God given me? And beware of false humility. You know what I'm talking about? This is not what the Bible says of humility. When someone says, hey, God's really gifted you with this gift. And you say, oh, no. That's false humility. By the way, everybody knows it, right? When we say, oh, no, no. God has gifted you with certain gifts. You may not feel that it is up to par yet, but don't be, don't be falsely uh, humble. You are to be people who uh, analyze and examine what gifts do I have? What has God given me? Examine. If someone were to come into your house today and to tell you that you're no good and you offer nothing, well, you would respond back and say, well, I can too. I can do this. I can do that. If you, if you ever want to test your humility, you allow someone to ridicule you, right? And then you're going to say, well, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. I can do this. I can do that. We are to examine our gifts. What spiritual gifts has God given you? Do you know? Well, not only what do you enjoy to do in the church, but what are you able to do in the church? What natural gifts has God given you? Maybe you're, a really, maybe you're really good at talking. That's a gift. Some people aren't good. I am, brother, I'm gifted when it comes to talking. I don't talk, and I'll tell you what, it's genetic. My son's got it. He don't stop talking. 5.30 this morning, he came into our bedroom, he lay down on the bed, and he started knocking on the headboard. Hey, Daddy, hey, Daddy, hey, Daddy, hey, Daddy, son, God gifted it to me, but it don't happen until after 6 a.m. God has gifted us. Maybe you have ex a special administrative skills. Maybe you're athletic. Maybe you are a musician. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're an outdoorsman. Maybe you do great at crafts. Maybe you're a good cook. Oh, amen, praise the Lord. Use that gift. Use that gift. There are uh, people in the church who go through hard times. We have, we have uh, people who foster kids. You know what? Good cooks, they could use a good meal. All right? And uh, I have an illustration there, but Sarah said I can't use it. And she's working nursery today, so I know she can hear me, and I better not say it, okay? But you are to examine what gifts has God given me. 
Next, not only do you examine, you consider. What gifts has God given me? How can I use them for his glory? Don't be a waste of grace. Don't be a waste of the gift God has given you. Consider how you can use it for his glory. Many of you have been holding out. God has given you certain gifts, and you're not practicing them in the church. You're using them for your own benefit. Well, that's not good. That's selfish. That's arrogant. That's proud. We're to use our gifts for the glory of the Lord. We're to spend and be spent for the glory of the Lord. Not only are we to examine what gifts God has given us, but we're to consider how can I use them. Spend time this week not only thinking and examining what gifts do I have, but considering how can I use this gift in the local church? Maybe, maybe, you, can, maybe you can be a greeter. Uh, maybe you can help, help us out in our welcome center that's already run so very well. Maybe you, can, maybe you can help us in our music department. Our choir does a phenomenal job. Our accompanists do a wonderful job. Maybe God's gifted you there. Use it. Maybe you are a good vacuumer. Good. Maybe you really enjoy that. Use that. We got places around here that can be vacuumed. Amen. Oh, good. You think the place is real clean. That's great. Whatever God has gifted you, and consider how you can use it. You don't want to store up these gifts and not use them. We are to consider how we can use it. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. We've been given these gifts for the common good. For the common good. Don't rob the church with your false humility. Don't rob the church with your selfishness. Use your gifts. Consider how you can use your gifts. Maybe God has blessed you financially. You know what, church, uh, pastors really hate, I'm going to tell you as a pastor, we, I, I hate talking about this because I, I hate having to remind people over and over again, but if God has blessed you with resources in this world, why don't you spend them on things that will outlast this world? We as believers ought to be good stewards of our money so that we can give sacrificially and generously to the church and to the missions and to his work. We're to be those people who consider how can I use what God has given me to help the church. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 through 25, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Consider, how can I use my gifts this week to benefit the church, to benefit the kingdom? But not only should we examine, and not only should we consider, but we should do it. You remember Nike's old uh, phrase, just do it? Enough with Christians who just sit around and talk about it. It's time that we do it. Use your gifts. Apply them. And then after you do it, improve it. We should not be people who, I mean, if you are going to be an athlete, you don't just settle for what little gift God's given you. You work on it. You hone that gift. After you've used your gift, learn to improve it. Pray over it. Ask God, God, use what little gifts you've given me in this world to make an eternal impact. Use your gift. Stoke that fire. Thirdly, I want to ask the question as we look at this text, why? Why stoke the fire? Why should I stoke the fire? Many of you in here today, perhaps, you have a fire that needs to be stoked. 
but you're satisfied with the way life is right now. Or at least you fooled yourself into believing that you're satisfied with the way that life is right now. Why should we stoke the fire? Paul addresses that in two ways. He addresses it first in verses 4 through 6 when he tells us that we are to be considered, we are uh, to, to stoke the fire for a legacy of genuine faith. In verses 4 through 6, he says this of 2 Timothy chapter 1. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure it dwells in you as well. For this very reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Why should we stoke it? We should be very thoughtful, very considerate to stoke the fire that God has given us. To fan into flame the fire that God has given us. Why? Because we want to leave a legacy of sincere faith. You see, fake faith is just, con is just concerned with appearances. Fake faith is satisfied with the status quo. Sincere faith says that when the, when the fire has gotten cold, I'm going to keep stoking it. I'm going to keep adding fuel. I'm going to keep coming to the Word. I'm going to keep seeking Jesus. I'm going to keep thirsting after Him until that fire is burning again. Sincere faith is concerned with a legacy of genuine faith, not for yourself, not so you can say, look at me, but so that it has an effect on this world. Paul says, I'm urging you to do this because of your sincere faith, which, by the way, didn't begin in you, began with your grandmother. Amen for grandmothers who were committed to bring their families to the church and raising their families in the church and reminding their grandchildren that they need to get back into church. Amen? We need family members to remind one another to stoke that fire. Paul says that we ought to stoke the fire, we ought to fan it into flame so that we can have a legacy of genuine faith. And then secondly, he says here, not only for a legacy of genuine faith, but for a life and legacy of God's gifts. Look in verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. He says this, Why would you be content with a dead fire when you've been given the power of the living God? Why would you be content with fear? Why would you be content with discontentment when you've been given the power of the living God, you've been given his love, and you've been given his discipline? Maybe you're here today and your fire has grown cold. And maybe you're okay with that. Oh, I just got a little while left in this life. What use is that little fire anyways? Can I encourage you? West Memphis, Marion, Crittenden County, the state of Arkansas, the United States of America needs the church to stoke the fire. This world needs to see authentic 
true faith. People who don't just love Jesus when the going is good and when it starts getting rough, just goes about their way. We need a church that will stoke the fire. If you're here today and you've not stoked that fire, can I encourage you this week? Stoke that fire. Examine what gifts you have. Consider how to use them. Use them. Improve them. Can I encourage you, if you've not stoked that fire, why don't you go spend time in God's Word this afternoon? Turn off that TV. Turn off your phone. Turn off the radio. Turn off whatever it is you listen to. Spend some time with God and asking Him, God, help me to stoke this fire. I'm not satisfied with the way life is. I want you to be involved. I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want when I walk by people, them to know that I'm different. Can I encourage you this week? to stoke that fire. Thanks for joining us for this episode of First Importance. You're invited to check out our other sermons on this channel and, if you're in the West Memphis area, to join us for our Sunday worship at 1045 a.m.